Can you tell me story again? Okay. Well, we're alive. Woo! We're alive. We are alive. Indeed we are. Well, hello. I'm Jeff. I'm Rachel. And this is Grandma. Tell me a scary story. The podcast. Not a boat. Not a boat. We're not going fast. On the ocean. Mm. Or in a lake. And today is a Jeff-centric episode. Yeah. I mean, yay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that shade early. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going back to my roots, mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, that rotation. And we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about a killer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those roots. Yeah. Okay, I like those roots. Yeah. So today I thought we'd talk about Edmund Kemper. Ooh. The co-ed killer. Why? Um, <laughs> that one. Because. Okay. I mean, I probably could have found another one, but I chose Edmund Kemper. Partially because I've been watching a lot of Mindhunter on Netflix. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's factual, though. It's truth. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it is. I just, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I just don't like him. He's not nice. Yeah, he's not a cool. He's not a nice guy. Well, so it's weird. Because you see, like, he comes, he does, he did some horrible stuff. Like, I'll admit that. But he, like, all reports are like, he's a pretty chill dude. Like, no, not a good guy. I'm not saying he's a good guy. He's not even a chill guy. You can't murder people and be chill. You say that. I mean that. I mean, whatever. Okay. Anyway, so. You're saying your opinion's wrong. Okay, that's fine. That's I'm used to that. <laughs> Most people are allowed to have opinions. You can just have them incorrectly. Yeah. Like yours. Fair enough. Anyway, Edmund Kemper. Uh-huh. He was born near the end of 1948. Mm-hmm. As we've discussed, Edmund Kemper is a serial killer, rapist, and necrophile. Yeah, he's gross. He murdered 10 people, including his grandparents and mother. Mm-hmm. And he is generally considered to be a giant of a man, standing yep. at about 6 feet 9 inches, and with a surprisingly high IQ to match his large size. Because, you know, normally when, I, normally when you think of somebody that tall, they're usually kind of a a dum-dum. I didn't know that. Well, I don't know if they're normally, but like that's typically how they're portrayed. Usually these big, hmm. gentle giants. So, but yeah, he has an IQ of 145, or he did it the last time it was tested. Um, he was dubbed the co-ed killer, as most of his victims were female college students. Mm-hmm. I yeah, okay. I don't care for that name. I don't know. I think it just sounds kind of... I don't know. Never mind. Okay. I don't like it. We'll just go with that. Okay. So he was born in California. Uh, his parents divorced and he moved to Montana with his mother, who was verbally, I think, verbally, emotionally, and physically abusive to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he then went, came back to California and he murdered his grandparents at the age of eight, at 15, not 18. Wow. Um, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and sentenced to a state hospital for the criminally insane. At age 21, he was released after convincing his treating psychiatrist he was, rebuil- he was rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. He then went on to kill young women by luring them into his car, driving them to a secluded spot, as one does back in the 70s. Yeah, that's how I do it. Well, that's, I feel like that was a very common MO back then. No, it really was. Yeah. Um, he would then take the dead women home, where he would decapitate and dismember them. Yeah. He would sexually violate them. After they were dead, 
and his last two murders were that of his mother and a friend of hers before he turned himself in. I mean, at least he turned himself in. Yeah. Uh, in 1973, he was found guilty. He requested the death penalty, mm-hmm. but California had suspended capital punishment. So instead, he has received eight concurrent life sentences. And to this day, he can be found at a California medical facility. But he's still alive. Yeah. Why did I think he was dead? I don't know. That makes him creepier. <laughs> but he's just like still there. Yeah. I wonder what he thinks of the pandemic. I mean, he's probably used to it. I can't imagine he gets a lot of interaction. No, I know, but I'm just... Is he, our... Is he trying to bust the door in? He knocked. Oh, okay. He's been sitting there because... Yeah. He thought we were done. Oh, fully Floyd. I'll let him out in a minute. Okay. So anyway, so now that we've gone over a brief synopsis, mm-hmm. let's dive into the deets. Yay. So I know Ur- most of them, actually. You probably do. Yeah. Um, this is a pretty common... I know a lot about him. I just don't like him. Yeah, no, well, that's why you don't like him. <laughs> I know, you know a lot about him. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, this is... He's one of the more no- notorious yes, yes, ones. Yes, yes, So I'd be surprised if people did... This was, like... And this was really new information. No, I think if you've listened to any kind of... True crime podcast. True crime podcast, yeah. you've heard him five times. Yeah. So, sorry for that, if you have. I mean, I think he's one you have to talk about, right? Yeah. So, anyway... Uh, he was born in Burbank, California. He was the middle child and only son in his family. Right. His, his father was a World War II veteran mm-hmm. who worked as an electrician who stated that being married to his, to his mom mm-hmm. was more harrowing than fighting on the front line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like a peach. Yeah. Um, so, they and they fought... Quite frequently in front of all the kids. Yeah. No, I'm sure their marriage was great and yeah. healthy and everything else. Yes. So Kemper, who grew rapidly, obviously, um, by the age of four, he was already like a whole head taller than his peers, which at age of four, like a head, that's, that's a lot. It's a big head. Yeah. Um, so he, and he exhibited dangerous behavior early on. Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of 10, he buried a cat alive. God. Um, once it died, he dug it up, chopped off its head, and put it on a spike. Wonderful. It's like, um, oh, what's that? Um, Lord of the Flies. I don't know. I've never read Lord of the Flies. You never read Lord of the Flies? I never had to read Lord of the Flies. What? You were not had, you didn't have to be scarred for life? Not yet. About murderous children? Nope. Oh, gosh. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, and when he was confronted about how that cat got there, mm-hmm. he lied to his parents, and he has been quoted as saying that he enjoyed the thrill of that. The thrill of lying or the thrill of killing? Because... Both. Oh. I mean, he was specifically referenced the lying to them, but I'm sure he enjoyed both. Mm-hmm. Um, he killed the family cat oh. because it seemed to like his younger sister more than him. I wonder why. Yeah, I can't wonder why. And I was like stare at my cats. Yeah. So, yeah. Um I stare back. And he would actually perform um rituals with his sister's dolls that would end with him taking off their heads and removing their hands. Gosh. So he basically already knew what he wanted to do from the start. Oh yeah, he he had no doubts. Um and his older sister teased him once about um why he didn't want to kiss like his teacher. I don't know if like that's a 
Um, what's wrong with his sister? I wanted to kiss her teacher. That's a little weird. I don't know. I mean, I can say it's very... It's. I think it's kind of common to have a little schoolboy crush on your teacher. Well, I don't know. I didn't have one. Well, and, you know, I think that's Especially a common... Especially raw old lady stuff. So. Well, I think that's a common... I think it's a fairly common... <laughs> I'm sure it is. I just think it's funny. Yeah. Um, and Edmund replied simply that, well, if he did that, he'd have to kill her first. Yeah, that's not weird. Yeah, no, that wasn't reported or anything. Like, no, his sister did go to his mom and be like, Ed said this, or his dad. The whole removing of the doll's heads and hands and the killing of the cat and everything. Clearly, they knew he killed the cat, like... Yeah, that should have been a warning sign. Yes. Even if you didn't know that he killed the cat, but he chopped its head off, like... Yeah, you should... You, yeah. Yeah. So... Clear... Uh, Warning signs. No. His parents separated in 57. Mm-hmm. At 1957. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, I, I know, but, I, you know. Um, so anyway, he he had a pretty close relationship with his father, so he was naturally devastated when they separated because he went to, because his mom moved him to Montana. Right. Um, so he never saw his dad after that, at least for a while. And unsurprisingly... The severely dysfunctional relationship that his mother had with the father, she continued with the son. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmund was forced to sleep in a locked basement at, because, and rightly so, on this, his mother worried that he'd hurt his sisters. Yeah, so she wasn't wrong. Right? I mean, it's I mean, it's like, a right fear to have, not the right way to deal with it. No, my question is that I'm not trying to like blame. I mean, obviously, it's not her fault that she got murdered. Or that he's a murderer. Right. No, I, I, no, I get what you're saying. There's... My question is, if you know your son is dangerous enough... That he's killed a cat. Not even that. That you need to... You feel the need to lock him in the basement at night. Oh, yeah. Because you fear for the safety of your other children. Yeah. Why would you not, like... Do... Do something? And I, don't, I don't have kids, so like, I can't be like... No, but I, I, I get what you're saying. It just bothers me. Like, why wouldn't you do something? I get what, I get what you're just saying. just like the time like that they were, that this was going on, like that's not something you did, like you wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either, but um, so yeah, she also frequently belittled, humiliated, and abused him. Oh, that was going to make it so much better. Yeah. Um, she, he's stated that she didn't show, I don't know if she stated it to him or what, or if he's just like inferring this, but um, the prevailing thought is that she did not show him any affection because she was worried that by showing him affection... He would become gay. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Well. Yeah. In interviews, he's talked about his mother and he's been like, I'm pretty sure she had some, well, she obviously had some undiagnosed mental health issue that made her, that, you know, was contributing to this, but still. Um, Yeah. She sounds like, like I said, she sounds lovely. Yeah. Sure, we're doing great. (laughs) So at the age of 14, Mm -hmm. he ran away to California to reconnect with his father um, and his father had remarried and started a new family, um, but he was pretty. It seemed like he was pretty happy to see Edmund, and he let him stay with them for a while while he got settled. And eventually, eventually, he had Edmund move in with his grandparents. So it was Dad's parents. I wonder why he did that, or are you gonna say, well, do you know why? It didn't say why he did that. I don't know if it was just the... like I knew that he moved in with his grandparents, but I never was sure. What, like, yeah, it didn't say why exactly why. He didn't say why. If I had to guess, it would probably be because maybe where his dad was at was really small. I guess that's possible. I wasn't sure if, like, something happened that... Something happened that made him... They just didn't say... I mean, it could be that his new wife was like, I don't want him 
here. Like, he's not my kid. I don't care about him. Okay, well. That might be. One of those I guess that could be, too. I was wondering if something, like, didn't happen. Wait, something probably also might have happened. Like, he might have gotten to his old habits of doing something. Yeah. It was like, okay, we got to send you to elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Edmund hated living on the ranch, not surprisingly. Um, he described his grandfather as senile, and he stated that his grandmother would constantly emasculate him and his grandpa. Hmm. Now, was that his mom's parents or his dad's? It was his dad's parents. Oh. Okay. Interesting. So, his dad just married his mom again. That's, unfortunately, the cycle. Yeah. Interesting. It, I was wondering, because I thought maybe that was his mom. I know I wasn't sure. Because I was like, that sounds like his mom. So, like, was no, his mom just yeah, no, it was, it was such, she just... It was... I mean, it could just be that, you know, they... The two live, live on a ranch. Like, it's not that she's emasculating him. It's just that she's familiar with how operating a ranch works. And she's or like... Or this is all that... This is what Edmund says. And that's his yeah. reason for telling her to. That's also possible. Yeah. So, we're now going to get into his first murders and first in the prison. Yeah. So, August of 1964, Kemper was sitting at the kitchen table with his grandmother. They got into a heated argument. And Kemper stormed off. He quickly returned with his grandfather's rifle, mm-hmm. which had been hidden away somewhere, which clearly not very well because he knew where it was. Right, and you're on a ranch. I would assume you would not keep your rifles hidden because sometimes they come in handy. At least not well hidden. Like you definitely would maybe not keep them like in the kitchen. No, but like. But like in the bedroom or wherever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, or even in the gun case, but maybe not locked. So, anyway. He comes back to Grandpa's rifle, shoots Grandma in the head, mm-hmm. and then does a double tap and shoots her two more times in the back. Yep. And she reportedly, she reportedly, her last words were, oh, he better not be shooting the birds again. Okay. Yeah. My guess is that's why they hit him, probably because he was taking, he was trying to take potshots at the birds, and they were like, dude, you're wasting all our ammo. Probably. Or you could hurt somebody. Yeah. For not being careful with it. Yeah, I'm sure there was a reason. But it's probably more that than you're wasting our ammo. Yeah. But, um, so his grandfather was away at the grocery store. Right. And when he came back, Kemper shot him in the driveway. Yep. Um, he phoned his mom, who told him to call the police, which he did. They came, they found him, they arrested him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when asked why he did it, he said that he wanted to see what it felt like to kill his grandma. Mm-hmm. And then he killed his grandfather so that he would not find his wife dead. Yep. And be mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. He made it sound like, oh, I didn't want him to have to, like, suffer. Yeah. No, it's because you know he'd be mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he shot him. Yeah. So given his age and the time time of it, his crimes were considered just incomprehensible for someone his age. And he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and sent to a maximum security facility for mentally ill convicts. Mm-hmm. The staff there disagreed with the court psychiatrist who said he was a paranoid schizophrenic yeah, because they observed no symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, he was not. They, they really saw him as just this intelligent, rational, like, not rational, obviously, but no, he's just a serial. He was a sure. rational. He was a rational and logical, even if that logical didn't, even if that logic didn't make sense. Person, right? Um, his IQ at that time was measured to be at one thirty six, 
which is two standard deviations above the average. So um, he was re-diagnosed with personality trait disturbance, passive aggressive type, which is a no longer used terminology. Um, so I didn't see like what the now contemporary diagnosis is, but yeah. Um, he was considered a model inmate and was actually trained on how to administer psychological tests to the other inmates. Yeah, because that's a good idea. Right. And he actually was saying yeah, in an interview after um, his big murder spree, mm-hmm. he has said that knowing how knowing how those tests functions and function enabled him to, unsurprisingly, manipulate the results. So that way he could get out of prison the first time. Right. So, like, you're telling me, mm, we have this highly intelligent man. Yes. Who's also a murderer. Yes. Let's not look at, you know, let's forget about that part. Yeah. We're going to teach him how these things work and what answers we need. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then we give him that test. Oh, and he already knows the answers, so he can give us the right answers. Right. Oh, we free him because he's fine now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget that he murdered people in cold blood. Yeah. Well, and also in speaking with the inmates while administering these tests, he was also getting intel on what to do to not get caught. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's start all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in December of 1969, Kemper was released against the recommendations of the psychiatrist. Like, the psychiatrists were like, he's, get, he's giving us the right answers, but mm-hmm. we're still worried. Mm-hmm. But the court was like, but no, he's checked off the boxes. He's good. Yeah. So kick yeah. him out. You're right him. Yeah. We don't want him anymore. Yeah. So he moved back in with his mother. Good. Because um, she had relocated back to California. Um, and that's understandably, I can see why the dad did not want him to live with him. Because, you know, you killed my parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be a problem. Yeah. So moves back in with mom. Um, and in 1972, his those records were completely expunged. So like, people like I think like they couldn't look up him up in the system anymore. Right. That kind of stuff. So yeah, that does happen. I don't understand why that works for murder, but I don't either. But uh, he attended college and attempted to join the police force. Hmm. Um, he did not get into the police force, um, but he was very friendly with all the officers. Why didn't he make it to the police force? I know that he failed some sort of examination. I, it was probably a, a psychiatric evaluation or maybe a physical one. I'm not sure which. Yeah. Um, oh, no, they said he. I think they oh, said he was, was too big. Yeah, I think they. I was about to say no. I think they said he was too big. I thought that's why. Yeah, I think they said he was just too big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was friendly with all the officers. They kind of considered him a bit of a nuisance with how much he hang, hung around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a groupie. Yeah. Like a cop groupie. Yeah. Which is weird. And unsurprisingly, he and his mother continued to fight and try as he, as much as he wanted to. He could never escape her because, I mean, I think there was a time where he moved out mm-hmm. then had moved back in. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I thought something that happened. Yeah. And um, it was also during this time that he started picking up hitchhikers. Though, initially, like, it took him, like, a year to actually, like, get to the point where he was, like, acting on his murder, on yeah. his impulses. I think he's intelligent enough. Uh, yeah. To realize that he shouldn't do it right. Do it. Yeah. But he. I think he kind of just gave in. Yeah. Unfortunately. 
Yeah. So on that note, before we dive into those murders, we're going to take a short break and then we will we'll be back. Yep. So. Yeah, we're back from break now. Okay. So on to the modus we. So between May 1972 and April 1973, Kemper mm-hmm. killed eight people. Yep, yep. As previously stated, he would pick up female college students. Mm-hmm. Well, not all of them were female college students, but most of them were. Yeah. They were around that age, though, weren't they? Like, One was like 15. Well, I guess you're right. So, um, but yeah, he, he murdered them in an isolated spot. Mm-hmm. Um, he would either shoot, stab, smother, or strangle them. Yeah. He would then take them home, sexually mm-hmm. assault their corpses. And dismember them and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, five of his victims were college students. One was a high school student. And the final two were his mother and her best friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. The 15-year-old. Was that the... Um... Oh, shoot. I think... I'm trying to remember. Was she the one that like actually... like He she, he got out of the... Locked out of the car? Yes. Yeah, I'll get to that. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, no, because that one just... Yeah. Um... And usually he would kill following an argument with his mother. Mm-hmm. And I put this in here because I'm like, well, yeah, this makes sense. He commented that she refused to introduce him to women that attended the college she worked at. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I can't imagine why. No. So this first victim was in May 7th of 1972. Mm-hmm. Um, Kemper was driving in the Berkeley area when he picked up two students and he who were leaving classes and he pretended he would he was going to a Stanford University so he would take them to his college and you know they could have a party they could meet up with some friends or whatever mm-hmm. um, and he drove around for about an hour until he found a secluded spot in the woods. Of course. For some reason I don't know if the girls weren't paying attention or. The way his van was set up, like they couldn't see out the windows very well, so they couldn't see that he wasn't like actually mm-hmm. um, going where he's supposed to go. Yeah. So he handcuffed one girl to the end of the car and he locked the other one in the trunk. He then stabbed and strangled the handcuffed girl. And he then killed the girl in the trunk in a similar fashion. Hmm. Um, I kind of think this is funny in a dark way. Um, but as he was handcuffing the first girl, his hand accidentally grazed her breast and he was visibly embarrassed and apologized. That's awkward. Um, yes. Yeah. I was just like, that's hilarious. You, you apologized for that and then uh-huh. you're going to kill her. Yeah. 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 Um, it's cause you have no, no. Yeah. He has no chill. No. You're not chill. No. So he put the bodies in the trunk and drove home. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pulled over by a police officer for a busted taillight, but the officer did not see the bodies in the trunk. Now, I have Googled the man he was driving. He was driving this thing was a Ford Galaxy. And that thing's like a pretty typical, like, I don't want to say mom van, but like, you know, the old sliding door vans. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's, there's big windows like, where you like, could yeah, see in the trunk. Windows, so how did not see it? Right. That's what I'm like. I'm like, are you serious? Did you not see it, or did you not see it? Right, right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, he returned home 
Uh, at this time, he was living on his own. Like, not on his own. He had a roommate. But he was living not with his mom. So he returned home. The roommate was gone. Mm-hmm. So he brings the bodies in. Um, takes some takes some naked photos with him and the lead, and the dead women. Dismembers the bodies. Um, did some stuff. And then he threw the bodies into a ravine. Where I think people have found bits and pieces of the bodies, but they've never found, like, the whole. Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, that's kind of... The ammo when you throw them into the... Yeah. That's what happens. Um, so his next victim was in September of 72. Mm-hmm. This is the 15-year-old girl who was hitchhiking to try to get to her school dance because she missed the bus. Right. And it was something with dance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he drove out to the secluded spot, pulled a gun... I guess to keep her in the car, and then as he got out of the car to, and was like going to go kill her, he locked himself out, but left the gun in the car. Right. And she let him in. And I've heard like I've heard people discuss this part before. Yeah. And like, how did he convince her to let him back in the car? I don't know. I don't know. So I know like people have speculated because obviously there's no way to actually know. So, yeah, I mean, just, yeah. What did he have to, like, he had to have been pretty convincing. He had to have been insanely convincing to, like, get this person to let you back. Yeah, especially if you pulled a gun on them. I know. That's what, yeah. How did you do that? So, anyway, Crazy. she opens the door for him. He mm-hmm. chokes her unconscious, kills her, like he does, like he did the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, then he goes to a bar, has a couple drinks. To kind of celebrate, I guess. Sure. Um, and then as he's leaving, he opens the trunk up where the body and just stands there, like in, almost like he's admiring the work, like this was a fish that he caught or. Yeah. Yeah. So, goes home. And again, no one saw it. No one saw it or nobody cared enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably more likely. Yeah. No Violet's rule, one of our. Or five rules. Uh, if you know something, uh, yeah, say something. Say something. People are na- naturally though; they just like look the other way. Well, it's a diffused responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're in a crowd of people, if somebody's calling for help and there's thirty other people, are you going to jump in, or are you just going to sit there and wait for somebody else to do it? I'm going to go. Are you though? Probably, yeah. Okay. I would like to think I would, but I don't know. Anyway, so and then so after he takes after he admires his work, he goes back home. Rinse and repeat, dismembers the body, throws it in the cliff, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, his next victim was January, in January of 1973. Mm-hmm. And at this time, he had moved back in with his mother. Okay. So, so following an altercation with her, probably, he's cruising around college campuses trying to find... So he'd pick up and kill. So he does. And once again, finds that secluded spot, kills her, um, drives back home to his mom's house. He stashes the body in a closet uh, for the night. And then once his mother leaves for work the next day, he has relations with it. He takes it into the bathroom and removes the bullet because he shot this one. Oh. Um, so he removes the bullet. And kind of get her identifiers, 
keeps the body for another several days. And no one notices? I, I, Mom doesn't notice the smell of a body? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, but after several days, he decapitate. I don't know if he decapitated her earlier or before, but basically he decapitates her, buries the head in his mother's garden um, with it facing the window where his mother right, looked right, out. I so it's like she's part. watching yeah. her. Um, then the rest of the body was thrown off a cliff. And this is one that everything except for like the head mm-hmm. and I think like the right hand was found like before. Okay. Before they knew. Yeah. The... Yeah. So skip forward to February 5th, 1973. So pretty quick escalation there. Yeah. He's like four, four. And then one. Yep. So, while in altercation with his mother, he picks up two more women. And at this time, like, there's been, there's notices going around finally that there's somebody picking up college girls, killing them. Mm -hmm. So basically it was, don't accept rides from people that don't have some kind of marker. Right, that don't go here. That don't go here or whatever. Didn't he have, like, a... He had a sticker from his mom that he had put on the car. So he convinced... So he gets one of the girls in. Mm-hmm. The second girl is like, eh, but her friend convinces her. I guess it's her friend convinces her to get right, in with him. Right, right, because she's in. So yeah. Be fine, because there's two of them. Yeah, there's two of us. So, um, yeah, so he picks up the two women. He shoots them both, um, wraps them in blankets, brings them back to dear old mommy's house, mm-hmm. does his thing. Oh, this time, so keeping them for a couple days, he dumps both of them the next morning. So he mm-hmm. pretty much just brings them there to do what he has to do and then mm-hmm. goes. I wonder why he... I'm just curious, like, why the change in... Yeah. Yeah. I think with this one's probably because there was two. I guess, yeah, maybe harder like, to like hide. One, like, one would, be, one would be easier to hide in a closet, even though there would be a smell, but... Right. Mm-hmm. Um, might be. So, in April... Tw- in April of 1973... Um, Kemper's mom comes home from a party. She talks to him for a little bit. She goes to bed. And then Kemper comes into her room. And at first she doesn't notice because she's reading a book, you know, just kind of relaxing before right, she goes right. to bed. And then she sees him and kind of comments, oh, well, I suppose you want to talk now. Because I guess maybe she tried to talk to him when she got home and he was not having it. Mm-hmm. So he just says, no, good night. Walks out. She goes to bed. He comes back in with a and kills her with a claw hammer, and then he slits her throat mm-hmm. with a pen knife. Um, he decapitates her, does his thing. Yep. And then after that, he uses the head as a dartboard, mm-hmm. and he yells at the head. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I guess smashes the face in. Yeah. Yeah. And he um, cut out her tongue and her larynx. And threw them in the disposal, but the disposal wasn't able to, like, shred them. Nice. And I think it was Kemper that joked. He's like, well, that makes sense with how much yelling she was doing. They'd be too tough for... Mm. So, uh, so he thought that was appropriate. He's like, let me, yeah. Yeah, of course. So he hid the body and went to get a drink. Um, he then, once he had his drink, he went back to the house, invited his mother's friend over for dinner, 
he killed her. Right. And he did that to supposedly try and create a cover story where the two of them just went off on vacation. Like, that's why you haven't seen it in a while. Okay. I wasn't sure why he invited... Yeah, he did that to try and create a cover story, but he didn't seem to do that very well because he leaves a note and says, like... Like, I don't know where he leaves the note, but he leaves the note somewhere that says, you know, basically, I killed the other one real quick. She didn't, like, suffer anything. And then convinced that the police are going to find the bodies really quickly and he's going to be involved in a big huge manhunt he does he drives non-stop to colorado from california hmm. like he takes a bunch of caffeine pills and stuff right right um, <clears throat> so when he gets there i don't know why he chose california or not california colorado, colorado. Yeah. yeah but when he gets there you know he hasn't heard the news he hasn't heard on the news about like people like that is, bodies or anything yeah yeah and that people and there's like a manhunt to try and find him so um right he's not wanted that's not america's most wanted yeah, yeah so so he he phones the police because i'm not getting the attention i wanted right he wants the attention that's what yeah. He's doing. yeah so he phones the police they almost like i don't want to say it's not surprising but it is kind of surprising they don't take his confession seriously at all I think it's probably partially because of his, like, how well they know him. Like, there's probably, like, the running joke, like, hey, it's Kemper again. Like. Sure. Yeah. Um, so he was told to call back later. Mm-hmm. So several hours later, Kemper calls. And this time he asks for an officer that he knows by name. Okay. And tells him, he's like, hey, I murdered my mom, all these people. So... The guy's probably like, all right, we'll come down to the station, you know. So once he's in custody, he confesses to the murders of everybody. And when he asked why he turned himself in, he's kind of just like, well, my original purpose behind doing it was gone. Because he had killed his mom. And right. And he was just doing it to strike back at her. Mm-hmm. So now that we've done all that fun stuff, let's talk about the aftermath. Yay. Yeah, which is trial and up to now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, May 7th of 1973, Kemper is indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder. Um, due to the detailed, uh, due to his detailed confession, the only plea is def- the defense can enter for him, like, to have any shot of winning, is guilty by reason of insanity. Um, however, three separate court psychologists... Found him legally sane. Mm-hmm. Which. I also just don't see him really going with the. Right. I feel like insanity. the lawyers would put that in, but he'd be like. No. 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 Yeah. Like, I don't see him like, accepting that as a plea. Like, no, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, unsurprisingly, he was found guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, it only took him like five hours. And he was sent to the same facility as two other. Supposedly famous killers. I haven't heard of one no, of them. Oh, I had. Oh, shoot. I can't remember who like, they I had. Was, there was Herbert Mullen mm-hmm. and Charles Manson. And I did, I did like, a cursory thing for Herbert Mullen. He killed people to try and prevent earthquakes. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, like, I didn't know him as well, but I have heard of him. Yeah. Like, and then. I think because of this, like, they mentioned that he, yeah. But I know he was, yeah, Manson. Yeah. And Manson, yeah. So, Mullen didn't like Kemper because the man was like a foot taller than him 
Fair. And I guess Molin did this thing like where he'd like, like kind of like sing and dance or whatever. Kemper did not like that. So he, like, he very quickly established like physical dominance over Molin. Rude. <laughs> yeah. And um, to this day, Kemper's kind of considered a model prisoner. He helps coordinate appointments with psychiatrists for the other inmates. So kind of what he did before. Um, he also used to read audio, like make audio books for blind inmates. Um, though he did stop that in 2015 because he had a stroke and he was declared medically disabled. Um, and Kemper is often very open about his mental state and is given frequent interviews. Mm-hmm. And he believes that his openness will help others like him who think about doing it, but don't, but haven't taken that next step yet. And he's like, he's like, I want to make people understand thinking about it's okay, but actually doing it, that's not, it's like, okay, dude, if you say so, it's not really accurate. Okay. Yeah. You, yeah. My thing, uh, he's where he's at. That's all men, right? There aren't women there. I mean, right. Yeah. See, that's my thing. He's fine. Cause he's not around women. Yeah. He doesn't like women. He is a... Yeah, he's himself. Whether or not he agrees, yeah, he doesn't think so. He thinks the he, issue with his mom, but I mean, sure, his mom was an issue, but like not. Yeah, his mom might have helped instill the beliefs, but the fact is, you're a grown man. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but anyway, one last thing before we, before we bid adieu or dive off of this is that he's been denied parole fourteen times. Good. Which isn't surprising. He should be. Um, and his next parole hearing is in 2024. Hmm. If he lives that long. Yeah, which I don't know, but Yeah, I mean he was born in forty eight, so he's older. Older, yeah. Six so, my grandma was born in He's like seventy two. Seventy two or eighty two? No seventy two. Yeah, you're right, seventy two. Yeah. So Right, because okay, my grandparents are in the eighties, so yeah. Anyway, that is Edward Kemper in a very basic nutshell. Or Edmund Kemper, not Edward, sorry. That's Ed Kemper in a nutshell. Ugh. Yeah. I yeah. don't like him. I know. He's a jerk. I don't really like him either, like I said. It's just, just kick him in the face. I chose him because I've been watching a lot of Mindhunter on Netflix. <laughs> oh, have you seen... You have Hulu, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you watched the Sasquatch no. thing? I haven't either. I need to. Oh my gosh. You know, we are obsessed with Sasquatch. Bigfoot. He's my my friend. I know. He's your bestie. My bestie, Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Sorry. You're fine. You know, I would trade you for Bigfoot. I know you would. He'd be the coolest (laughs) co-host. I don't know what we're talking about, but... (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, that's all I got. So, we have any extra stuff? Oh, I think we're good. All right. Well, we'll be back that next note, week with something new. Yeah. Well, on that note, then, uh, hit us up at the socials. Yep. You Grimwald know where to find Podcast. Grimwald, tell me a scary score. Spory. Grimwald, tell, tell me a scary, a story. scary story. Wow. Anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> but, those things. Uh, you can send us your personal stories. Mm-hmm. Your scary stories. Your You met a mirror, uh, serial killer stories. I don't know what you got. Yeah, we don't Whatever know. Whatever you got. We don't judge your lives. Nope. Uh, grandma the podcast at gmail.com. Yep. 
If you like us, share, rate, review, yep. all that fun stuff. If you don't like us, share and review. Well, don't share us with your enemies. Share us with your enemies. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. We don't care. And we don't care how we get spread. No, we don't. So, on that note, I've been Jeff. And I'm Rachel. Good night. Good night, good night.